It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Monday, December 18th, 2023. I'm Andrew Hames with Raven News. Landless legislation passed a new milestone on Thursday after winning approval of the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee. The bill still has a long way to go to become law, but if it does, it would return land to the original occupants of five Alaska Native communities in southeast Alaska. Those communities were left out of the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act of 1971. Senator Lisa Murkowski, who sponsored the bill, said in a statement that the omission was, quote, hampering their ability to support development and opportunity while protecting their traditional ways of life. Alaskans have been trying to right this wrong for 51 years, unquote. ANCSA put millions of acres of land in the control of more than 200 newly formed local and regional Alaska Native corporations. Cecilia Tavalero is the landless delegate for Petersburg and chair of the Southeast Alaska Landless Corporation Board. She was in the room when the bill passed through committee. Oh, everybody was elated. We were so happy. But we understand there's a lot more work to do. There has never been a clear explanation as to why Petersburg, Ketchikan, Wrangell, Haines, and Teneke Springs were not included in ANCSA. Senator Dan Sullivan co-sponsored the bill. Representative Mary Peltola has introduced similar legislation in the House. Alaska's congressional delegation has been bringing similar bills to the legislature for roughly two decades. Opponents have voiced concerns that the new corporations would log their land, clear-cutting swaths of what had been the Tongass National Forest. But supporters say the timber industry has changed in recent years. Nicole Hollingstead sits on the Sea Alaska board and is a Petersburg representative of the landless. She says native corporations are moving toward more sustainable business ventures. The industry in the Tongass is no longer focused on huge harvests of timber. And we've had such long, engaging conversations with the conservation community that many of the largest conservation societies in the nation are moving either to neutral or to support our legislation. The Wilderness Society recently reversed years of opposition to voice its support for the legislation. Some are also concerned about public access, but Hollingstead says that public input has helped the landless delegation refine the bill. We've got such strong language ensuring public access in perpetuity for recreation activities, your favorite hunting spot, where you like to pick berries, that will still be available. Public access was not guaranteed by ANCSA. If the House bill passes committee, the two versions would be combined in a process called markup and then would proceed to the House floor for a vote. Southeast Alaska has seen an explosion in cruise tourism in just the last two years, and communities are struggling to cope with the crowding, congestion, and simple exhaustion that comes from managing the rapid growth. Next summer, the city of Juneau is planning to limit cruise traffic to five ships a day, the result of a newly negotiated agreement between the city and the cruise line industry. But Sitka's only cruise dock is privately owned, and although its owner has said he plans to strategically manage ship visits next year, it may not satisfy Sitkins looking for a legislative solution. In part one of Coast Alaska's five-part Tourism Today series, KCAW's Catherine Rose reports from Sitka. Every couple of hours, we hear them coming. When the Pebble Pub slowly crawls through downtown Sitka, the multi-passenger bicycle turns heads. As the lime green vehicle passes City Hall, it makes a left onto an ever so slightly elevated street. The hill is barely perceptible to the human eye, but the 15 cyclists holler louder, pushing themselves over the hump. Ah, there we go. 
<laughs> An hour later, they come by again. Around and around, the pedal pub goes, stopping at bars on Lincoln Street to break up the passengers' cardio workouts with a beer. It's a sound unique to the summer months in Sitka when hundreds of thousands of cruise ship visitors disembark from their floating cities to revel in the beauty of Southeast Alaska. But another sound Sitkins have gotten familiar with is this. A fleet of tour buses runs almost nonstop when a ship is in port. Unlike other Southeast communities, Sitka's cruise dock isn't downtown. It's six miles north. That means busing tourists is a big part of the equation, and not everyone is happy about it. I'd go home with a headache, nausea, short of breath, my eyes were burning and irritated. That's Peter Hagen. He's a local painter and contractor. This summer, he spent a month working on a house next to the state highway, buses passing by every few minutes. It was like I was living in L.A. Hagen says he's pro-tourism, but the experience cemented in his mind the idea that cruise traffic in Sitka was getting out of control, and both people and the environment were feeling the effects in a very big way. They should see Southeast Alaska for what it is, and that's a world-class preserve. We don't need floating cities docking and uh, slides and race cars and SpaceX rocket launches and thrill rides. They're missing the very essence. Of, of what we are. The summer of 2023 blew the previous year's record-breaking cruise season right out of the water. 585,000 passengers visited Sitka from late April to early October. With that came big business and an economic recovery after two quiet pandemic years. For many Sitkins, it was an opportunity. New tour businesses and food carts flourished, and Sitka's Main Street was closed to traffic and turned into a pedestrian mall for over 70 days of the summer. But it also brought congestion and concerns about bus traffic, e-bikes, and pedestrian safety. And with those concerns came some community pushback. It's just absolute chaos. Larry Edwards and a group of around 40 other Sitkins tried twice this fall to get a ballot proposition to cap the number of cruise visitors out to voters in a special election. I feel that uh, the cruise industry thinks uh, it's the planning director of the city and that we have to march to its orders. I think we needed to take control back. Both petitions failed to pass a review by the city's attorney, who cited a variety of potential legal pitfalls in attempting to restrict the use of a private dock. A similar question in Bar Harbor, Maine, will be the litmus test for whether a municipality can legally limit cruise traffic at a private dock. A federal judge is expected to issue a ruling on that case soon. The day Edwards' second petition was denied, Sitka Dock Company owner Chris McGraw announced he's imposing his own limits on the size and number of ships allowed to dock at the terminal each day. It kind of all got hit at once, and um, I think we're now, you know, working to try to get caught up. McGraw thinks if COVID hadn't happened, the community's adjustment would have been a little easier as the cruise numbers scaled up a little slower. He's hoping that curbing the number of ships and passengers, staggering arrivals, and building new infrastructure, like a theater at the dock, will help better disperse the passengers, cut down on bus traffic, and relieve some pressure. I guess my message would be, you know, let's look at our numbers and see if, you know, we can slow that, slow everything down a little bit. 
but then also work to uh, catch up our infrastructure, catch up our tours so that we can meet uh, the demand that we'd like to see. And that is ultimately healthy, in my opinion, for the community. October was pretty quiet in Sitka. Some restaurants and shops closed down for the month to catch their breath. But in November, the city's tourism task force was back at work hosting its first town hall, inviting locals to take stock of the summer, especially the level of cruise tourism. The town hall was just the first of several planned between now and the task force's spring deadline to make recommendations to the assembly. The public process is slow. Even if the Sitka Assembly could decide on a course of action by next spring, it would not change the fact that the summer of 24 is going to look a lot like the summer of 23. Even if Sitka's private cruise dock implements changes, they wouldn't be in effect until 2025. In the meantime, Sitkins are collectively writing their own version of the pedal pub, heading up and one day over the hump. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. Governor Mike Dunleavy said education is among his top priorities in the coming fiscal year, but his proposed $1.2 billion education budget is actually a 9% decrease over last year, and there is no proposal to increase per-pupil funding in the state, known as the Base Student Allocation, or BSA. As reported in the Alaska Beacon, Dunleavy said the question has always been whether we put money in the BSA or whether we put money into the education world in various forms and for various purposes. He did not rule out an increase in the BSA as the legislative process plays out beginning in January. As an example of putting money into the education world, Dunleavy pointed to a bill his office introduced last year that would put $58 million towards recruitment and retention incentives for teachers. He described the incentives as a research piece to see if, in fact, that does get people and keep them there. If it does, Dunleavy said, then we've solved that issue. Senate President Gary Stevens of Kodiak is the vice chair of the Education Committee. He called the governor's budget a starting point and said it was a shame that there is no increase to the base student allocation. Last year, the governor's largest budget cut was half of a $175 million one-time funding increase for K-12 public schools approved by the legislature. A statement from the Association of Alaska School Boards said the decision not to include increased per-student funding in the proposed budget comes as schools are saddled with high inflation and have an urgent need for resources. The AASB wrote that the budget announcement falls far short of addressing the critical needs of our public education system. Sitka Republican Senator Bert Stedman is co-chair of the Senate Finance Committee. Ultimately, the legislature writes the budget, and the governor's budget is just a starting point. He said... Don't panic in the streets over education funding yet. I'm Andrew Hames, and this has been Raven News.